0: Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. We're here, as you know, to have a good time to talk about how we can do and be better and have a happier life. I broadcast from sunny Arizona in the United States, and I'd love to hear where you are. And if you'd like to call in during the show, the number is 866-613-1612. And I think when you hear our guest, you'd like to call in. Our theme song, as you know, is No More Mr. Nice Guy with Alice Cooper. We have that song for two reasons. The first and most important is that when you really start taking care of yourself, when you start taking your power back and you learn that it's really okay to say no, some people get a little out of joint about it and it's okay. They might think for a while that you're not such a nice guy, but they'll come back around when they see that you are getting happier all the time. The other reason that is, Alice Cooper is one of the nicest guys in town. He's about to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we congratulate him and again invite him to the show. We're looking for sponsors who would like to have some exposure on this show and on the Self-Improvement blog. We believe in shameless promotion of our sponsors and our guests. Uh, if you'd like to be a sponsor, contact Scott Duffy at Voice America or me at the Self-Improvement blog. We'd love to have you on board. I want to acknowledge and thank our engineer, Chad, who always makes this sound good, and all those at Voice America who make this broadcast possible. Voice America World Talk Radio, as you may know or may not know, is the pioneer in Internet talk radio and really the premier station. So if you're interested in having your own radio show, call them first. Our guest next week is Richard Nor- uh, Richard Norris. Uh, his purpose is to bring transformation to people's lives so that they can live to fulfill their purpose, whether it that's at work, whether it's resting, or whether it's at play. He's got quite a background, and if I gave it to you now, we wouldn't have time to talk to Robert. But just know that Richard Norris is outstanding. He has a book called uh, Hoof It, Seven Key Lessons to the Journey uh, to Self-Success, and we'll be talking about self-leadership. But let's get to today's guest. Our today's guest is Robert O'Connor, a longtime friend of ours and just about the nicest guy I ever knew. He's the President Emeritus of the Arizona Society of Professional Hypnotists, a certified hypnotherapist, medical hypnotherapist, source integration therapist. That's a lot of therapy. Certified spiritual healer, ordained minister and counselor. He's been a hypnotherapy practitioner for over 40 years, and I don't know how he's done that since it looks like he's only 30. Um, He specializes in weight control, smoking cessation, self-esteem issues, just about anything you need to work on, Robert can help you with. Honestly, he's the best therapist I've ever known, and he's a good friend of mine. Welcome, Robert O'Connor, to the Self-Improvement Show.
2: Thank you very much, Irene, my dear friend. I will give you the $5, the tip for those kind words a little bit later. <laughs> I was
0: hoping for more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll kind of build it up as we go. Thank you, dear one. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: okay, tell us a little bit about yourself, Robert, where you got started and a little bit about you and your life. That well, well, could take not, a while. but
2: I'm not, but as Irene, and I would tell her always, I was born when I was very young. And then it started from there. Uh, I'm not much <laughs> okay. different than anybody else. And yet if people know me, they say I'm quite a bit different than they are. I've, uh, I guess to start to say at five years old, that would slowly identify me as maybe a slight bit different. I wanted uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead for Christmas. And oh. I had a tremendous curiosity about how the world ran and how bodies ran and how the mind ran and began reading encyclopedias and anything i'd get my hands on and i guess a little short introduction from there and by the time i was eleven going on twelve i had an opportunity not to make a long story out of it to go and study in the vatican for well ended up off and on for five years my specialty at that time was ancient languages and uh... from there Went to school and college and right there. whoa
0: whoa whoa can I think and... if i <laughs> I think if I remember right, you had a little bit of uh, experience in those Vatican archives we hear about. Can you five tell years. us just a little bit about that? Tell us about that
2: well, if I told you it's almost humorous. I was five years old and I we were in a Catholic church and in the summertime the priest goes away and they have missionaries come in, and so we were listening, they were talking. I realized they were Italian, and I was an altar boy and all that stuff that goes with it. And, and uh, so they were talking about afterwards, and so I said, well, what do you guys do? And so, well, we have a couple things. You know, we run the leper colony on Molokai, and we have the Vatican archives. Well, it was all I could do to stop from my eyes rolling like a slot machine, <laughs> Because somehow I already knew by then they'd, well, I guess, stolen all the data from the whole world anywhere, and if you really wanted to know anything about the ancient past, that was a place to go. So, without acting too excited, I said, "So, um, well, what does a person need to do if he wants to become a part of this group?" And you take young people on, and I was an altar boy, and so they asked me, "Do you how's your Latin?" I said, "Excellent. I learn languages easily." And uh, so. They said, well, if you can get your parents' permission. And so I basically told my parents, uh, there's no choice of whether you're going to give me permission. I'll swim the Atlantic if I have to. And that's where I ended up. And so the story is about there's many levels down below. The top level is still secret level is, is 78 miles around, 10 feet tall. And you could walk endlessly up and down the aisles stored with artifacts. The next one is almost 48 miles around. It's underneath that level. And the next one underneath that is um, almost um, 38 miles around. So you cannot imagine how much information is stored there.
0: And were you able to get into any of it that most people don't get to see? I had
2: wide open rings. Uh They were sure I was going to be a priest and Besides, I had a great aptitude for it, and, and hard to believe I kept my mouth shut enough <laughs> not to get... Well, is...
0: <laughs> Most but of I us would give it. our right arm for that experience. That's that's just an amazing place to be. As, as a child, it would be li- lovely to be there as an adult and know what you want to look for and just have free reign.
2: Well, there was recently a dear friend of mine had died, a father, Charlie that most people know, he's been on all kinds of shows, he's written several books and it was funny when somebody introduced me to a class here locally and and or somebody sent his father Charlie, I don't know Father Charlie, I didn't know him as Father Charlie. He's an attorney. And he was an attorney who became a priest. Now, if I'm sixty four, he's considerably older than me, so but I was I went in at twelve, so when I was like thirteen years old I was a preceptor, in other words. Most nurses would know what a preceptor is, where you yep people around them, show them what to do, and, and show them the ropes and everything. And I found out just recently, I mean, is that the same Charlie, that's on Art Bell? <laughs> talking Uh-oh. about the ancient secrets inside the Vatican and everything. Oh, God. So, yep. So it was nice <laughs> to see that an old friend who we remember got a chance to meet each other before he died again and remembered and took back old memories that was fun
0: that's lovely and i interrupted you to digress into the vatican archives we were still growing up you have a twin too i think
2: oh i do i do i have a twin sister who was an attorney in california she's the smart one in the family oh i guess my son would probably take reins on that but uh, <laughs> one way or the other so, so
0: tell, tell us a little bit about... Well, you said you were kind of a unique child, and yeah, you are. You're already in the Vatican at 13. So how did you then get on to study... Uh, you, have a, you, you have degrees in both psychology and ar- uh, archaeology, as I remember, don't you? Yes, I do. How did you get from the Vatican to there?
2: Well, first of all, I, was, I, w- I started going back to school, after I uh, stayed as long as I possibly could in the Vatican without becoming a priest. And then I left. Um, I probably should wrap a little bit of that up with um, how that that whole process probably came to an end. After I left the seminary, I went back home, started going to college full-time, I had so many classes already, the college wasn't that big of a challenge. But um, I ended up uh, on some lover's lane and five miles from the nearest house, and uh, I was shot dead center huh? in the head. And uh, at that moment, uh, I either would realize I was either dead or the person was going to take the person I was with. And um, I managed to survive. I was with uh, an Indian woman, which I'm part of the American Indian in my heritage. And uh, somehow we realized that I had a fight. I managed to take the gun away from the person after I was shot. And, and as best I understand, uh, it was a priest who was trying to take me out for leaving the Vatican. Wow. And... uh not only that, the place where I was shot uh, they built a Benedictine monastery on the spot. And uh, I was married in that monastery. To a,
0: oh, this, to a, this Sicilian, like a novel
2: Sicilian lady. Hmm?
0: This is like a novel.
2: Oh, that's just a, that's just a side <laughs> story. <laughs> so with those experiences in my background and and um after And I've had the last rites three times, pronounced dead three times. My dad would say, son, it's a sense to see that you're a reject in heaven and the devil's afraid you're going to take over. Try to do something different <laughs> your life while you're in the middle. <laughs> and so that's all I've lived my life for. And uh, to learn and, and to study and to see the workings of the mind and the soul and the spirit, how they intertwine, healing is and my fascination, even the study of ancient languages, was to learn how they apply in the physics of the soul and the mind and how they intertwine together. I'm so you knew young. Dr. Bruce Shelton and his work that's just brilliant.
0: So Shel- Lipton or Shelton?
2: Uh, Lipton, I'm sorry. Lipton.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that a little more later on because I think his work is extremely important. So... But from here, you hadn't gone to college yet, had you? And you went into, which did you go into first, psychology? Oh, I was, or? I went,
2: after I got out of seminary, I started college. Then, uh, at that time, you uh, needed to be, have 2,000 hours uh, before, uh, and I don't know, 20 credits, but 2,000 hours actual work before you could get a deferment. So I was drafted into the service, the American uh. Army. And... So from there, obviously the whole time I was there, I had hearing that was slightly above normal, so they made me intelligence and whatever that means. And um, from there, I just, uh, I studied languages, I specialized in languages, started taking college courses, Uncle Sam's paying, and I ended up both in Germany and then I was in the Far East, and uh, Then I was on the Army wrestling team and then the pre-Olympic wrestling team and continuing to travel the world in courtesy of Uncle Sam, which which I'm totally grateful for that opportunity.
0: Okay, hold that thought when you come back from break. We're going to talk a little bit about your travels. It's time to go to break. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show on World Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
2: (laughs)
1: you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market in sue mcdaniel's book i am heart she talks about feelings now sue is ready to bring her book blogs and topics of interest to the world talk radio variety channel I Am Heart will discuss concepts and ideas that affect all of us and will provide experts and solutions to help everyone. Sue, speaking through I Am Heart, will answer your questions, share your answers, and learn together with you. Each program will have topics you've suggested, homework to learn about yourself, and moments of connection. Tune in to I Am Heart, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on World Talk Radio Variety. Follow the World Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at World Talk Radio. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the World Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash World Talk Radio, or follow along with us at World Talk Radio, the World Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon.
0: This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show with my guest, Robert O'Connor. We've been talking a little bit about how he came to be where he is now, and I want to ask him to give us a thumbnail sketch of his travels because he's had a lot of travels, and it's all contributed to what he does now and how he's able to help people. Robert, tell us just a little bit about some of the places you've visited and lived.
2: Well, it's very it'd be easier to say what countries I haven't been in. I could probably number them on a hand or two. But I've been almost everywhere. Uh, I was very fortunate in the service to have traveled fairly extensively. And then I traveled as an archaeologist in ancient languages, also lived in the Middle East, taught classes at Hebrew University in archaeology, lived and studied in Egypt, did major work there in archaeology, I was given a place in India, in Rishikesh, in the Valley of Saints, uh, which is one of the most holy, beautiful places in the world, which I can, i still there, still mine. It's wonderful. Um, and so there's no place pretty much that I haven't been.
0: And, and had you studied psychology when you did this travel, or did you come back and study that later?
2: <laughs> well, both. Um, there was a trade-off. If I... In 1967, when the university, uh, the war in 67 for Israel, they'd just taken over Jerusalem because of the 67 war. There was no Hebrew university in Jerusalem because there, there wasn't there. My specialty was ancient languages, written ancient, not necessarily spoken at the time. They were offering, uh, if I would please take over and teach those languages, they would offer postgraduate work in psychology, and uh, they didn't have a whole lot of money at the time, but they gave me a credit at uh, Fink's Deli, which had the best European <laughs> food in all of Israel, and I was always a sucker for a good meal, and so I spent some time there both teaching and learning, So, and then I continued to fill in there, but I'd already, while I was in the military, I took classes continuously, so it didn't take much to build credit. So I was stacking them. I took uh, taking classes continuously, and then when I got home from the service, then I had five years more of Uncle Sam's free education again. So,
0: and it's up. all really benefited us. Uh, so, you've had extensive study in some of the very best places, you've had extensive travel all over the world, and then you. I don't know how all you got to Phoenix, but you came to Phoenix. You're a hypnotherapist now. You're a remarkable hypnotherapist. You're a healer. Tell us a little bit about how you got into healing work and how all the things you've learned and all the places you've seen have contributed to your healing work. I know this is a huge question, so, you know, go well, for it.
2: I began to realize that one of the things that I found in common being first in the seminary i began to realize that pretty much everything i i or we the public were told was a lie and then i went into the military and they used to have a saying in intelligence community how can you tell if a politician's lying his lips are moving so (laughs) i began to realize that was one big, and i said oh my god almost everything we've been told is a lie and uh i began to realize that this healing had probably a much more dynamic effect Then we understood, and I'd had some mystical kind of experiences even in my youth. So I understood that there was more to life than just the simple things, but I realized that if you could reach a state of balance or a a state of stasis or harmony, that most diseases would naturally just slough off. And I began to study what healing processes took place throughout the world, and I realized that if I simplified them, that the process was three. Stages of healing, anywhere, all the stages, affects all of them. And it's acceptance. In psychology, we call it getting out of denial. Um, It means just what is, is. The ancients used to call it the law of ISIS, what is, is. Just accepting what is, not judging it, just accepting it. Number two was forgiveness. And it's a three-parter. Others... Easiest, no matter how big of pain they might have been. The second and much harder is ourselves. Why? Because we already know we created our own reality, forgiving ourselves. All the buttheads in our world pretty much showed up because we hired them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're right.
2: (laughs) And, And so, I mean, at a certain point, how can you be mad when you have free will? Everything I learned in every seminary, everything I learned wherever I went meant free will only meant one thing. You create your own reality. There is no other purpose.
0: That's it.
2: And even in college, the first year when I heard a professor tell me, the only difference between us and the animals is we get to choose how to feel. Well, I was pretty pissed off at him for quite some time because I didn't realize we had been demoted (laughs) to such a level. (laughs) But he was Right. I think St. Francis said it best when he said, a martyr at the stake may have happiness that a king on his throne would envy. It has nothing to do with a choice. And it's about attitude and everything. And I wanted to know, not like normal medicine studies, I wanted to know what to study that transcends that. Just as with Dr. Bruce Lipton, he made a simple study when they began to do the gene studies. And he did the uh, single-cell studies in the Petri dishes, identical cells, and placed them in different environments. And at that moment, history had changed because they realized the environment that these cells were in had a radical impact on how they developed. And so how, do, how does a person focus that part into a real transformational process inside has been my study for quite some time. Acceptance, forgiveness, and I used to have to add, and the third part of forgiveness is of God for the spiritual people because whether they admit it or not, they got extremely angry with God because when they were in that terrible spot, they prayed and nobody showed up. And then the last part, and this is the critical part of healing, and it's, It's gratitude, and not the gratitude for the nice and wonderful things and the good friends and good meals. I mean gratitude for the worst painful experience of your life. Why? It's very simple. If you love what you create, you can love yourself. And the foundation of self-love does not even begin until you can love what you created. If you can't yet love it, then you haven't yet owned it, or yourself. So if you can't love what you've created, then you can't love who created it. So the final ultimate is ultimate gratitude, even for the worst of all circumstances. I know Irene in the class, I use a bad word at the beginning. I write two-foot letters when she was in a class. And and the first day as I trained therapists, I write... (laughs) There are a-holes on the planet. I won't use the full word.
0: <laughs> you can use it
2: on, this. on the bulletin board. <laughs> and they say, why do you say that? And other people, that's too sweet. You shouldn't talk like that. And I said, well, every therapist understands. And a person comes into your office, they say, I'd be happy if. And then list all the buttheads that have to shape up before they're going to be happy. So we <laughs> begin with an exchange. Listen, if you're going to postpone your happiness until all the no-good people shape up, this will be a long and lonely road. So immediately I try to have them give that up. So that's the starting processes of healing itself, those three stages.
0: You talked about self-love. There, I've talked to a number of people, read a number of articles that, have such a problem with self-love they say oh that leads you to selfishness that leads you to egotism that leads you to all kinds of places what do you tell those people who who give that to you that self-love is not
2: it's nice that your ego has spoken and identified (laughs) its limitations yes of course the ego has a limitation it's fear of its existence and um i guess the ego in almost a spiritual or biblical sense could be called the mind or in a religious sense Moses if you actually took the word Moses everywhere you saw it in the Bible and put mind you'd say oh my God mind oh, that, just lets us that. know we're in darkness mind begins to say oh my God we need to get free mind will take us out of the dark land but as the whole story goes mind Moses never entered the promised land no. mine not ego cannot enter the promise land. it can only see what was not what yet can be and and for those really stickler scientists who well if you can't measure it and you can't weigh it and you it doesn't exist and i said oh that's wonderful how much does your wife love you how much do you love her how smart was einstein i want a measurement i want lineage i want weight well, you can't measure any of those things because <laughs> the most important things in this whole universe cannot be measured. They're immeasurable, and science just becomes frail in its face at that moment. Oh well, yes. don't tell your wife that she doesn't love you because you can't measure it. I wouldn't go home if I was you.
0: Yeah, that that yeah, would I have be a
2: lot picture. of friends Wait. in the wife department <laughs> of scientists. <Yes.
0: laughs> you brought yes, them you. back to
2: the past. <laughs>
0: I find it interesting that the scientists are discovering now what the mystics have known all along. I just find it incredibly fascinating to to watch them as they're unfolding some of the things they're finding, you know, like the things Bruce Lipton and Candace Pert and you know some um, of them about how we function.
2: Well, it's just such a radical change on everything that we believe, and it's. It's a difficult challenge. I mean, most people, especially I just finished, a. It's always my end of my rough seasons for the people is Valentine's Day, and I get yes. a lot more suicides during that time or attempts, and 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 it's so hard, and and people. I guess at this time, it's like to address depression, and and I think it's really simple for people to have a better understanding. And if you ask yourself, what's the opposite of depression? And most people would say, happy, free, elated, unencumbered. But you'll go right straight to the dictionary of medical terms. You realize that the opposite of depression is expression. Yes. Oh, you mean I'm stuffing some expressions, and if I stuff enough of them, I become depressed? Yes. Every ten years they do a study. American Medical Association, Psychiatric Association does a study. What comes first? The psychological trauma or the chemical imbalance within the brain, body, mind, lithium, whatever. Every ten years it comes back? The psychological trauma preceded the physiological chemical imbalance. So
0: And do we they get to the do they get it?
2: <laughs> no, they do it. That's 10 years. It's, almost, it's 50 years now. The same I results Bruce, every time.
0: Bruce uh, Lipton has finally uncovered it and is talking about it. And I, I think he gets a good bit of flack for it. Um, and that thought, I want, you to, I want to talk some more about that. But I tell you, it's time to go to break again. Uh, this it. goes fast. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. On World Talk Radio, we'll be right back.
1: Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. To succeed in life today, you have to respond well to change and be willing to take chances. On Star Style, Be the Star You Are, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan and her sidekick, daughter Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations with live interviews with trailblazers, authors, and experts. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on the Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, on World Talk Variety. For positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio, it's Star Style. Be the star you are. Never say never. Live your dream. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. tuned in to the self-improvement show with your host dr irene Conlon. got a question for irene or her guests call into our live show at one 613 1612 that's one 613 1612 connect with irene via email our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com now let's get back to the self-improvement show here again is dr irene Conlon.
0: Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Robert O'Connor. We've been talking about the three stages of healing, uh, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. And I'd like to talk a little more, Robert, about forgiveness. I heard a prominent radio personality say that forgiveness, you shouldn't forgive anybody until they are really sorry and they've asked for your forgiveness Respond to that idea.
2: Well, it's a rather deist opinion, is all of a sudden um, the judge, not lest GB be judged, edict was never even issued at all. It, it is retaining the right to be judge, jury, and conviction of anybody who's harmed us, totally eliminating the capacity that we created it. It is so profound that we created it. And yes. forgiveness... It's a gift we give ourselves it means that that person who we believe have harmed us can no longer live rent free in our head it's simple it has nothing to do with them if we hold ourselves hostage as the old saying goes and swallow the poison and hope it will hurt those that hurt us it never happens it's an illusion and ask yourself Give me one good of reason for postponing your happiness for that person that hurts you. I've never heard anybody come up with one good one.
0: No, nor have I. So tell the audience, from your point of view, how you go about forgiving somebody who has hurt you deeply.
2: I generally begin with a simple premise, that everything in our life happens for a reason. Secondly, there's only one bad experience, and that's the one that we haven't learned from. So if I've learned from something, then it's no longer a bad experience. If I haven't, it's always a bad experience. The difference on a healer, I guess a healer, I guess, should have a higher standard. A healer is a person who volunteers for some of the roughest of life's crises. So in the process of coming through them, they can gain credibility. So when someone comes up to you, Eileen, and says, you wouldn't know what it's like to go through pain, abandonment, or rejection, and you, you point over to the shelf and you say, here's my T-shirts and my trophy. Yeah, I got you them You have to pay, and in, in the ancients used to call it common tears. So when someone comes up to you, they look into your eyes, they don't have to ask. You were there, been there, done that. That's what a healer has to go through. Those, instead of being the dumbest decisions of the world, it's so important to remember this, that those who choose those very challenging and difficult situations, as they learn it, they gain credibility. Then they have a healing, and then they have things to offer, and knowledge and wisdom to share with others. And then their life has meaning and purpose and destiny. And it's a fresh song instead of a sad story because it isn't the purpose for it. I did it because of love. If you only remembered, only someone who loved us so much would volunteer for the lessons that hurt so much so that they could be available to those others who need that wisdom. Remember, it's about love. Always love. Um, and a, I, I, I love it, I it's an extreme, and I love it. If, uh, most Christians, if you ask them, who did Jesus say loved him the most? Still, most of them would guess him. Would that be Mary? Would that be John the Beloved? Where, Peter? Where he in he spoke specifically yeah. who loved him the most, but most people would never guess. Because it was after the Last Supper. The it was a contact with Judas as it was written. The, ex- Judas said, I really don't want to do this gig. They can have those 30 pieces of silver. And what did the script say that he said? Judas, only you, above all others, love me enough to be hated by all mankind. Only you. My mother will be too busy grieving. Bartholomew will be saying, Jesus who? Peter will say, denied three times before the crow (laughs) even comes up.
0: Only you, Judas.
2: Judas love me most of all you will do the ultimate and you will be hated by mankind now the real mark of a healer is those who love the unlovable and can forgive the unforgivable they've earned their pay they've earned their heart that's what a healer is they see beauty where others can't and they have to begin at home As the old spiritual song would go, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with
0: me. And let it begin with me, yeah. So how can you help somebody else come to forgiveness when they really can't let go? What do you do for them?
2: Most often what people come to me for is a process, I guess, of taking their power back. Not some metaphysical thing, but a real process. I have them meet on an inner level, the person of their problem, their affliction, their pain. I have it set up in a very safe environment. And from that safe environment, I will show them how to take the power back from that individual. Because many times we're like that car that tries to climb to Flagstaff. We go up a little hill. We roll right back down. When they had the Volkswagen buses and the vans in the 60s and 70s, they couldn't even get to Flagstaff. <laughs> Most of right. us are just like that. We try to get out, and then all of a sudden we have a job that takes 50% of our energy. We only got 5% left. So they need their power back. And each of these wounds from our past, we've delayed like a dog buried a bone, it's got our power buried. So I'll show them where to go and get it back. And it comes back. First, what was the divine? The pure reason that I had this experience what was I to learn they will ask the person they will tell the person the words they need to say and their soul needs to speak to get freedom and healing in their soul the person will speak back to them under those terms and then will take the power back once they see that it was an opportunity instead of a crisis it's the whole difference of night and day Remember, the difference between crisis and opportunity is uh, is none. In the Orient, yeah. the word for crisis and opportunity is the same.
0: Same word.
2: And and uh, Winston Churchill probably said it the best. And the big speakers in World War II, he said, "Your crisis is my opportunity. I was born for <laughs> this." Oh, you mean it's all about attitude?
0: <laughs> it's all about attitude. What about those people who? don't know to go to a therapist or can't afford to go to a therapist or don't even understand the need to do this how how can they get to to real forgiveness because everybody doesn't see a therapist and they really need to do some work on this
2: well it's there's no way around do I need to learn something from this experience
0: that's the first question
2: there's no way around it if it's painful Someone would ask a therapist, they always do, why is it so painful? Their answer is simple, so that you don't repeat it. You create it (laughs) so that you learn from it. It's the greater level of pain is the greater resistance to it. And there's that old, trite
0: statement, experience is the best teacher.
2: My son would say, Dad, I think I caught you in a lie. I said, which one, son? (laughs) He <laughs> said, well, I thought you said the truth hurts. I said, I think I said that. I thought you, I also heard you say the truth will set you free. Now there, one of them can't be true. I said, no, the truth hurts if you resist it. It will set you free if you embrace it. The truth is the same. Attitude is what changes. And so, it's the same with all things. The love and pain, there's no pain associated with love. Never has been. Selfishness is the pain that we call love, and that's not even love. Remember, love is only unconditional love. There's no other kind of love. It's all unconditional love. Anything else we have fun little names for, codependency, personality disorders. We have all kinds of fun (laughs) things. You know, codependent, but we don't humor ourselves by thinking it's unconditional love if you ask all of these people who can't forgive, well, do you think that person should suffer more? They'd say yes. Well, guess what? You get to hold yourself in pain until you think they need to be let go. Yep. Or as my old teacher would say, only wish for others what you want for yourself. So I better start wishing wonderful things to all people.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And what about gratitude, how do you teach people who never think about being grateful or appreciative, where do you take them to learn gratitude? Because gratitude is oh so essential.
2: Well, I guess everyone has a different issue with it, but most gratitude issues really spring forth from youth. It comes from either spoiling or being abandoned or underappreciated or... And so I never got over my me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And then the codependency continues to rear its ugly head. And then we began without even thinking about it, if we have free will, then then who's responsible for my happiness? Oh my God. I watched a study in psychology today and they had third graders to ask them Who's responsible for your happiness? They would say, me. Who's responsible for your sadness? Me. Somewhere after third grade, we all of a sudden decided somebody else.
0: Yeah, (laughs) how did that happen?
2: I mean, a third grader knows it. Well, because it's convenient, because we don't want to be responsible for our lives, and so we look to find somebody else. I couldn't be responsible for my own creation. I don't have free will. It's your fault. I don't have my happiness. Well, happiness yeah, we like
0: the game. Like blame game, don't we?
2: Well, it's convenient. It's much too sad for most people to accept the responsibility for their lives. But, hey, if they do, they have the power that goes with it, and they can overcome. But in, living in denial is, you know, not all it's cracked up to be.
0: And it ain't no river in Egypt, as they no, say. It ain't it ain't no river. Denial is a good one. Want
2: to Here's talk a little bit about denial? To, answer, to a- answer your question, there's been a recent study, and I've been working on it for years. And, but psychology today, psychiatry has an agreement on something which is almost never. After a relationship is over, a failed relationship, whatever one wants to call it, 100% of the people, both sides, have the same exact things to say. Almost the same sentence. It's, I didn't really know him. I didn't really know her. 100%. A hundred percent. Here's the clue. It's time we got to know ourselves. Yes. And we began that destiny. Because if I didn't really know them, the second part of that, every psychologist and psychiatrist say, well, oh, the second part, you didn't know you. How can you ever know anybody else?
0: You don't See, know that's, you. That seems like the first part to me. That's the most important place to start, is knowing and, who you are.
2: And I do. As, that's one of the beginning spots. And if, you know, if they really don't want to give it up, I'll, I'll say, well, you can. You know, how's that working for you? you know, keep it as long as you want. I don't have an argument with people. I mean, they can hold on to uh, a porcupine as long as they possibly can. Yeah,
0: right by the quill. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, I hate to tell you this, but it's time for us to go to another break, and the next time we'll wind down and say goodbye. So right now we're going to take another break. We'll be right back with my guest Robert O'Connor after these words, so stay tuned. (music)
1: Are you looking for tips, tricks, secrets, and techniques that you can use anywhere, anytime, on virtually any problem? Tune in to Magic at Your Fingertips with EFT Virtuoso Teresa Bolin. You are a divine manifestation of love and light. Take back control of your life and create the life that you want using EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques. You'll overcome the obstacles that stand in the way of living your heart's desire. Magic at Your Fingertips airs live at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern, and 10 p.m. in Japan on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. We all lead busy lives, and sometimes we think we can't take care of our health. We battle food addictions, time restrictions, and media conflictions when it comes to our health. Now, you can tune in to the Dare to be Healthy Show with host Alia Almoayed. Good health comes to those who dare to take the leap into the amazing world of natural healing. Find out what it's like to look and feel great, and finally live your life to its maximum potential. Let Alia and her guests show you how. Dare to be Healthy is broadcast live Mondays at 11 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon.
0: This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show, and my guest, Dr. Robert O'Connor. Um, we're on our last lap, and I really want to, bring a, I want to change the subject, Robert. I want to talk a little bit about children, and, and, and we don't have a lot of time to do this, so I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you say what you want to say.
2: I think a lot of parents right now are suffering terribly with how they're dealing with the responsibilities for their children, and I think they need to know something. I have a tremendous dispute with many of these talk show hosts who don't really deal with children. For example, they say, stay together in a relationship no matter how it is. Stay in, stay in, stay in. The suicide rate for children whose parents stay together for the children is three times the national average. Wow. That child has to be responsible for mommy's happiness, daddy's happiness, because neither one of them would be there, and their own. And therefore, they fail tremendously. Not only that, they have no image of success And they have so, that happiness is impossible in their life. It's not a message we want to live. I always tell every parent, if you're in a relationship, make sure that you could recommend it to your daughter or your son. If you can't, you're a hypocrite and they will leave you. And they will come to me. So with children, remember, it's very important. They're very tolerant. But be straight up with them. You know, if you're staying together for them, did you ever stop and think that now they're responsible for your happiness? What a world oh, we've s- arrived at, yeah. at! The children are last.
0: They're so wise, and they know. It's oh, very they always confusing. know. I always yeah, tease they people. They always
2: know. Give me five minutes with your kids, and you don't. Neither one of the parents needs to come in. I'll give you the whole psychological breakdown and everybody. They know everything.
0: <laughs> they do. they <laughs> oh, and- don't know
2: that. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: I've learned so much from my grandson. He teaches me about wisdom every day. It's quite amazing what they know. He's seven now, and oh my goodness, it's quite amazing. One last question. What, Robert, what do you think are the greatest roadblocks to happiness for most people today?
2: Listening to other people's opinions, especially about who you are. I mean, the biggest roadblock, obviously, is fear. I guess I'll wrap it up really simply with this. I had a a soldier in my office, just came in from Iraq yesterday. And he said, so, well, fear is my biggest question. I said, okay, good. I said, are you afraid to go backwards? He said, oh, yes. Are you afraid to stay where you're at? Yes. Are you afraid to go forward? Absolutely. I said, well, you've got all the bases covered, past, present, and future. Fear is out of the question. It is no longer part of a tool in your repertoire. He just stood there dumb because he has no purpose for fear anymore. Fear is out of the question. All time zones are covered, and most people are afraid to stay where they're at, are afraid to go backwards and afraid to go forward, and love is the only way out. Love and is the only way out.
0: How do you get him there?
2: Well, he had to find something to love. I have him go to the mirror. First I introduce him to his own self, his own source, his own God-self, and then when he goes to the mirror he winks and he says, what's there not to laugh like a good Jewish mother until he can see that there's nothing not to laugh. A little practice. Everybody can get over that hump.
0: Everybody can get over the hump. Sometimes using hypnosis, it seems almost miraculous when you see results that you get. Um, we have time, if, if you can share with us maybe the most memorable story without revealing anything about the person, some results. Well, I can that, even
2: reveal his name. That's Matt, and if you're, I don't know if you ever will listen. Briefly, briefly I had him as an 8-year-old. He was never going to be in school. Things were not working. Could you mainstream him? And we finally got to eighth grade. Oh God, I, I can't believe it. He's got more psychological disorders than you can shake a cat. at. And finally made it to high school. And about a year after high school, I got a call. All that stuff you worked on, you better get to the hospital. He's at St. Uh, at Joe's ICU. He's been toe tagged and pronounced dead. Get oh. over there if you could, please. You know how much we loved you. And so I ran over there and I looked around and I looked and I said, is that a nurse I recognize? Is that Pam I am? Are you in charge of the IC? Can I help you with your exams? Your boards? Yes. I said, well then just walk away because I'm going to be doing something you haven't seen before. He's already toe tagged Dad flatlined. He's still hooked up. And, uh, I took the mom and dad and I said, look, you thought he would never have any friends. He's got a half a dozen here. And these half a dozen friends are Ready to give up their blood, their organs, anything? So his, whether he's a success is already over. Now you sweetly soft-hearted people, get out of the way. I grabbed him by both sides of the head and I looked at him and I said, "You little shit!" I said, "We worked our <laughs> tail off to get you this spot, and the men here are going out to have a porter house." Then I uh, deleted expl- expletive, and all of a sudden the lines started going boom, 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 boom. boom. And well, um, they told me, oh, no, he, every bone in his body's broken. His head's pressed. He's He'll never walk and never talk. He'll never slide. He's just going to draw an shoe. Maybe a, a year from now he'll draw. <coughs> Two weeks later, he was in my office with a cane.
0: <laughs> yes. that's. And I can give you healing.
2: details of that story because it's way beyond my belief. Forget anybody else. But the power of, of the mind to interfere and intercede with another one.
0: Oh, the power of the mind is so vast. And we've come to the end of this show because time is not so vast when you have an hour. Our next week's guest is um, Richard Norris, who wrote Hoof It Seven Keys to the Journey on, on the Journey to Success. We're going to talk about self leadership. Robert, I want to thank you for this wonderful, wonderful conversation we've had today I'd love to have you back another time so we can talk about more
2: it's time you. now you're one of my uh, favorite angels keep up the good work
0: <laughs> thank you Robert you're one you're just one of my favorite all-time human beings so the admiration society is now adjourned
2: it's fully uh, intact <laughs> 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 thank you dear one bye-bye now
0: goodbye Robert thank you so much This is Irene Conlon saying goodbye for today for the Self-Improvement Show. We'll be back next week with Dr. Richard Norris.
1: Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.